I'm talking to Ken Ratri-Iswari, the founder and CEO of Geek Hunter. We were joking before we started recording <laughs> that, that I can't pronounce her name properly. So, Ken, yeah. right? it's nice to meet you. Yes, pleased to meet you. Uh, it's like Barbie and Ken, but I'm Ken. <laughs> I laughed the second time. It's not even fair, actually. <laughs> That's the easiest way for people to remember me. So exactly. I always use that line. It's, so I always think about this in the you know I worked at you know Goldman Sachs and Morgan Stanley for years and because we were in a really global business you know we met people and I was in Asia as well right so we met people from all over the region with different naming conventions right so Ken in in American English or in British English or in Australian English would be a definitively male name. Yes, but unfortunately but. in Indonesia, it's like it can be used for like girl's name and also for boy's name. So yeah. it's more like unisex. Yeah, but don't even say unfortunately. It's just unfortunate <laughs> for people that don't understand. But it's interesting to me, right, because this is and this lets us dive right into sort of cultural differences and the reason why it's necessary to understand when you're building a business, particularly in this region, you need to be on the ground or you need to be like back and forth between wherever you're going to run a business and build a business and the place where you reside because you wouldn't know <clears throat> that level of detail and and that to me is really culturally important, right? In other words, if yeah, I see yeah, a name, yeah, if yeah. I see a name Ken without seeing a picture, obviously a picture of you gives it away. <laughs> you know what? Like actually, uh, before like, I have like a lot of clients in Singapore and Malaysia, right. and in the beginning we just like uh, contact each other through email. So Correct. at first, like they thought that I am a man, <laughs> until they met me or have a Skype call with me. And, Hi, you're a woman. Right. So it's just funny. But it, again, it's good. It's a great entree point for you too, right? Because it it gives you something instantly to talk about, and that's great. But it also it also introduces people's sort of lack of knowledge, right? Their ignorance about where you're from and what you do. And it's a great way for them to learn like right off the bat. It's not what I think it is right from the beginning. And that's, that's a great thing actually, I think for you. It just opens up so many different channels for you to be able to talk to people about stuff that they didn't consider prior. Sure, 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 sure. So give me a little bit of background now that we've gone through that. Like where are you from? Are you from Jakarta? What have you been doing? How did you get to this point? Give me a little bit of background and then I want to jump into Geek Hunter and how it's different, yeah? Okay, sure. So, um, as you mentioned, my name is quite unique, Ken Ratri Swari, Ken, like Barbie and Ken, and I'm Ken. That's the basic. And then uh, I think uh, I founded Geek Hunter for, on um, July 2013. So, it has been like four and a half years wow. in a yeah, so basically what I do is like I help tech companies to hire developers and but now it's like before it was developers only but now it's more like IT professional in general that are coming like from Indonesia and at the same time also like I help them uh, I help the IT professionals in Indonesia to have a better and meaningful career and also like in Southeast uh, Asia part I think um, People know the programmers country is more like Vietnam. So I also try to promote Indonesian developers and Indonesian programmer in Southeast Asia regionally. Yeah, so, so back up a little bit for me, right? Have you been involved mm -hmm. in sort of the startup community for your entire career? In other words, Actually, when, when, yeah. when, you, when you were at university, right? So you went to university 
in a couple of different places, right? But you went to university in Indonesia, then you went to university in Australia. Is that correct? Well, actually, I went to the university in Indonesia uh, in ITB. So ITB is like the MIT of Indonesia. Right. And then after that, I got like a short-term scholarship from Australian government. So I studied for like uh, one month in QUT. So it's just basically like a course for okay. startup. Go ahead. And then for like my involvement in startup community, yes, because uh, it's like to begin with, because talent is uh, already like a big part of the startup ecosystem, right? And right now I'm also doing startup grind for yeah. my city. Yeah, I'm doing startup grind. So I'm also like a director for startup grind Bandung, but uh, not in Jakarta. So Bandung is like 125 kilometers away from Jakarta, the capital city. Mm -hmm. It is actually like one of the top five biggest cities in Indonesia. And although it's just like 120 or 125 kilometers away from Jakarta, but sometimes it takes four hours, sometimes Good five job. hours, if you're lucky, two hours. So, yeah. so hopefully when the fast train finishes, I will only need uh, one hour to go to Jakarta. Because it's like right now, because my office is based in Bandung. So I uh, always all the time have to go back and forth, you know, like to Jakarta, Bandung, Jakarta, Bandung, Jakarta, Bandung. So is there going to be a high-speed train between Bandung and Jakarta? And is that going to be part of a larger network inside of in, inside of Indonesia on Java, yeah? Yeah, uh, so it's like right now the government built the fast train, like Jakarta to Bandung, uh, and it's supposed to be only like one hour from Jakarta to Bandung when it's done. And according to the plan, it's supposed to be finished by 2020, but we'll see. Right, but that's interesting, right? Because if they, you know, one of the biggest problems in the Southeast Asian cities, I live in Bangkok, so I encounter traffic every day as well. Yeah, um, that's crazy, right? Yeah, but I, and I presume Manila is the same, and I presume to a certain extent Ho Chi Minh is the same as well. Um, KL, not so bad, but not great either. But what do you think the impact is on just sort of, because even airport traffic, right? I have friends that are going to Jakarta today, so they're at the airport right now, they're going to fly into Jakarta and then go into meetings in the central part of the city. But it could take, you know, two hours or three hours at some point. I've done it to get to the, you know, from the airport to your yeah. meetings. It's yeah, not yeah. a big deal, right? So a lot of people complain about this. One of the things I'm not is a complainer. I'm an explainer, right? So it may take time. So leave yourself more time. But I'm curious from your perspective, you know, as a native, what you think the impact is of that high-speed train, even just one from Bandung to Jakarta. What do you think? Yeah, for the high-speed train, I think at the end... There will be like a lot of people, because right now, it's like uh, most of the people that before live in Bandung, they moved to Jakarta, because Jakarta is a place where they build career, right? Yeah. So they like uh, rent an apartment or, you know, dorm in Jakarta and then go back, go back to Bandung to their hometown, like maybe once a week or once a month, something like that. But it is actually a game changer, because uh, since the rumors about, you know, uh, before... Uh, and there is like a rumors about this, like the land price in Bandung is rising. It must be, right? Yeah, like like crazy, like maybe almost not really double, but it's like it's like rising quite crazy uh, for the price of land, uh, especially nearby the area when the train will, you know, will have like a station. Yeah, look, I mean, I think any time if you if you go back in history and look at what the tube 
and the expansion of the sort of subway system in London did to not just London itself, but to the surrounding parts of London. It just changed the entire metric for why London became a big financial center and sort of a global center as well. It just changes everything. And if yeah. traffic is eliminated as a, you know, as a, as a blocking point in Jakarta, yeah, yeah, I'm really yeah, curious yeah. to see like how that changes things. Right? It's interesting that people actually take a dorm. That was a really interesting word. Or even like a part-time apartment. Yeah. Right? Because it's only an hour away. Plenty of people in, you know, that live in and around the New York City area commute in an hour. They live in Westport. They live in Greenwich. And they don't consider that to be a problem. Like that's just normal life. Actually, they consider it to yeah, be a benefit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why I think like the people that work in Jakarta, like most of my friends that are all in Jakarta or live like uh, in the city nearby Jakarta, because we have like some satellite city like Bekasi or Depok that just like one hour away from Jakarta, and they commute like every day. They wake up at four, and then at five a.m. they already go right. to yeah the the train or commute by car, and then they arrive in the office at seven, and then they go back home maybe like 10, 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. So it's like a crazy hectic life. But because people already get used to it, so they, they already get used to it. Yeah, but this seems like a paradigm change. And if it works there, yeah, yeah, then, yeah. right? If it works there, then they're going to institute this throughout like the whole entire city or at least feeding into the city. I heard that there may be some issues building subways. But again, you just have an above above the road train lines it's just as good as having subways anyway right and if yeah you... yeah yeah it is it is and it's like in jakarta we'll have like a subway and motor monorail soon as well so hopefully the traffic problem like will be over soon because it's like for me it's not efficient and it's not productive at all because like for example if i am in bandung when the traffic is not as bad as jakarta in one day i can arrange like five meetings or six meetings a day just moving to one place to another. But in Jakarta, like maybe maximum, I can only have like two or three meetings unless if it is uh, on the same place. So it's crazy. Like for me, it's, it's more like such a waste of time to be in traffic for like one hour. Although like, because uh, right now, like in Jakarta, we, we also have like um, some... Uh, how to say some like uh, like Uber, Grab and Gojek, like right. donations, uh, right, hailing apps so with that at least like when you are commuting you can work at the same time as well right so this is the other question i want to ask you right i talk a lot i talked a lot of last year about autonomous vehicles and how it's going to change the sort of spread of mobile wi-fi and just mobile internet and i'm really curious what it's like if you're in traffic in jakarta if you're coming from bandung into jakarta do you drive yourself is there a is there a sort of philosophy of i'll just get a driver to to bring me into the city so you can sit in the back with your laptop connected to the internet somehow? Like, yeah, how does that yeah, work? Yeah, yeah because uh, we have like a shuttle bus, a lot of shuttle bus from Bandung to Jakarta. So normally like I, I use that shuttle bus, but right now because uh, the the construction of the, you know, of the train, so the traffic become like really crazy. So for me, it's more realistic to take a train. So there's like a train from uh, Bandung to Jakarta return. Right, but it's not but, high speed, right? Yeah, not not high speed, and it will take me like three hours to go to Jakarta. So in three hours, normally what I do is just I just like uh, work, replying emails, etc. But you do the right. But, but, but are you? They are don't you, have Wi-Fi yet. <laughs> but they don't, though, right? So are you pirating off your phone? In other words, are you connecting to the to the data stream on your phone, right? Yeah, that data stream on my phone, or I use like a modem, like internet, wi like modem, Wi-Fi. 
so like I my, just, my my personal wi-fi something like that i don't know how to explain it in english though no no it's okay so you have like a little pocket wi-fi box right that, that yes, you can use yes, right because yes, there's yes. no phone connection on your laptop there you know some laptops have them but most macs don't right i mean all macs don't it's just interesting but do you think that when the high-speed train comes that there's going to be this massive prevalence of you know, more Wi-Fi, more connectivity, and then do you think there's going to be an explosion of productivity in Jakarta? Yeah, 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 I believe so. When uh, when a fast train comes, and also like right now, I, I saw like one taxi, big taxi company in Indonesia that they already provide Wi-Fi also in, in the, the car. car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sorry, not like in Jakarta, but in, in my hometown, like in Bandung, there's like one taxi company that already provide Wi-Fi in the car. Although I'm not yet trying it, so I don't know whether it really works or not. But I, yeah, well, it's a kind of like a game changer. Yes. Because it's like in Indonesia, one of the problem is the, the connectivity, like the internet connection in here is not like as good as if you compare it with Singapore, of course. Yeah, you say that, right? So I haven't been in Jakarta in a couple of years, right? So that's my problem. But I, I go to Singapore quite often and the connectivity there, Wi-Fi is fine. It's not superb it's not as actually as good as i would have expected and yet i live in bangkok which people would make more of an equivalency to jakarta than they would to singapore and i would say that the wi-fi that i have here whether it's true or dtac or, or ais is way better oh yeah yeah because i can sit in a coffee shop and i i took a little bit of flack for this a couple of weeks ago for posting about it but but i can sit in a coffee shop owned by true so true is one of the mobile phone companies here right and I can get literally like 400 megabits up and down. Yeah, it's so I think, fast. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's so fast. Well, uh, <laughs> I don't know, but I think in my obvious, the internet speed is only like 100 Mbps, like up and down. So. <laughs> right, but but again, I'm just saying, like, I think once that catches up in in Jakarta and in all of Indonesia, really, and the high speed train thing gets solved you're going to see an explosion, right? So we talk a lot. We, we put out a report, my partner Graham and I put out a report last week and the week before talking about why Asia matters. One of the focus cities we had was Jakarta. And one of the things we did was we broke down these countries, whether it was you know Indonesia or Malaysia or Vietnam or Thailand, and we just focused on their big cities because we think that that's where most of the activity, particularly from a tech innovation space, is happening. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like oh, when I'm talking about like Indonesia, uh, number one startup hub will be like Jakarta. Number it would be two, though, right? Go ahead. Yeah, Jakarta is number one, and then number two is Bandung. Right. Number three uh, is Yogyakarta, Georgia. and then after that we have Surabaya, Malang, and last one is Bali. But Bali, I think, is for more for like foreigners who you know like want to build a startup, but at the same time also. Uh, enjoying the great places in Bali, the island life. Yeah, Bali is kind of its own little ecosystem, it seems to me. I haven't been to Bali in a few years as well, but it seems to me like you're, you're right, that it's more for, you know, I'm a foreigner from New York and I've kind of, I've just gotten tired of that sort of city life, but I still want to build a tech company. Indonesia's great, it's a growing, fast-growing, yeah, dynamic yeah. market, but I don't want to live in Jakarta, so I'm going to live in Bali instead. Because I think most of them don't know, like you said, Jakarta, Jakarta, Surabaya, Bandung, they just know Jakarta, and a lot of people don't, just like in Thailand, right? A lot of people don't want to live in Bangkok, they want to live in Chiang Mai, or they want to live in Phuket. They're making the same sort of, for lack of a better term, the digital nomad choice, right? To yeah, just yeah, go somewhere yeah. else. 
Yeah, but I, I mean, I have an interesting story because Tell back me. then in 2011, like uh, I was living in Bali before for oh, like okay. for like maybe two years. Uh, and when I was living there, it's like uh, I helped one Danny startup incubator to, okay. you know, like set up the company there in Bali. Before, yeah. like the name is uh, Contenga International, but now they change it to Leaf.it. It's like a... Denmark companies that consist of some several startup like uh, Labster and then Mailbird and like s- several other startup. So when I like uh, help to setting up the company, mm-hmm. it is so easy for me to attract like a uh, talent from abroad. But what is funny is that it is hard to attract talent from Indonesia <laughs> itself. But so is that a Indonesian view as well? In other words, when somebody from Bantung thinks about Bali, they don't think about going there to ha- take a serious tech job, they just think about going there for vacation. Is that true? Or? Yeah, I, I think I think most of the case, yes. So it's like when I was working with that company before, um, most of the programmers prefer to work remotely instead, like from Bandung or from Jakarta. Even though, like, sometimes uh, they will spend, like, one month in Bali, you know, to get to know with the team, etc. So, but I, yeah, but, but yeah, it's like, I, I don't think that uh, there will be, like, a lot of uh, developers that are willing to, you know, like, work in Bali. So, relocation will be, like, main problem when talking about, you know, like, uh, building a dev office in Bali. But again, like Bali also now uh, is uh, growing. So I think most of the developers that are in Bali are coming from the from Surabaya. Surabaya is uh, like one of the, the biggest city in uh, is the capital city of uh, East Java. East Java and, right? yeah. Uh, yeah, and and it's like you can go to Bali by taking ferry. So in terms of distance, I think like it it's quite close. Because you can just like cross from Surabaya to you know like to Bali. So in Bali itself, there are only like two, only like one university and one like of how to say vocational school, school right. like uh, like for programming. So there are not so many talent there. So you need to relocate people and move them to Bali if you want to have like a developers in Bali. Yeah, I mean Surabaya and Bali. So these Java's literally the island right next to Bali. So it's yes. very easy for people to get there. There's probably a flight there, but it's not even worth flying. It's too close. Yeah, it's too close. So what was your introduction into this sort of tech space? In other words, when you went to university, why did you decide to go to it? Because you went to a technology university, right? It's in the name, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's like um, I went to technology university, but actually my major is on business and management. Interesting. Yeah, so it's like, I, I think like before, uh, back in 2007, when no one talked about startup in Indonesia. <laughs> yeah, or in Asia, really, to be fair, right? But yeah. Yeah, so back then, it's like, because uh, uh, I have like two other like uh, programmers friends, and we team up to set up like a startup. We don't know if it is a startup, but basically we just want to set up like a business. Right, run your own company. Uh, because at that time, yeah, at that time, uh, it's like we have a problem to, you know, like to find some nice places to hang out 
or to have like a lunch or to meet up with friends. So at the end, like we created a website, like a directory listing, basically maybe like Yelp. Right. Uh, but it's, it's like more like a restaurant and also some nice places in Bandung. And then, yeah, after that, I, I start to jump into the, you know, uh, test startup. But after that, uh, I start to work like in in um, big big companies like Shell. I so I kind, of, like, I kind of like forget about the startup life, etc. But when I moved to Bali, uh, I accidentally met with Michael Bodeker that wanted to set up like a company in Indonesia, but it's like he has no clue and he had no idea about the developers, etc. So I kind of help him and at the end, like I end up uh, working with him and get more exposure about startup. So that's where my, you know, like my interest uh, to work on this space coming from. Because at that time, my role is like hiring developers. So all the developers in that company, like around 18 developers, uh, I, I, I help Michael to hire all of them. So from there, there are a lot of his friends that saw that, oh, oh okay, so it can be successful. Oh, it will also be great to, you know, like set up a company in Bali, so they started to ask for my help and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I should just like monetize it because uh, like, there is a demand. They have a problem that I can solve to hire developers from Indonesia. So that's how like Geek Hunter came up. Yeah, it's interesting. So that to me is kind of the normal way that a company gets started, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you can sit in a room and just try to ideate and try to figure out like what the market needs or you could just be involved in that market gap on a day-to-day basis and say, oh, and I think in instead of helping my friends do this, I'm just going to set up an entity that does this yeah. and I'm going to charge people, not just my friends, where I've gotten my experience and my understanding of the market gap, but I'm going to set up a company that actually does this and then I can help the whole, you know, the whole ecosystem actually yeah, yeah, build yeah, and grow yeah, this yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. So tell me more about Geek Hunter. Let's just tell people like what it exactly does. What's the mission of the company? How things have been developing sort of over time. It's founded a long time ago, almost five years ago, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Right now, almost like five years ago, but it's like before. I honestly don't really think that it will be like, you know, like a serious business because uh, to begin with, it's for me, it's just like a project-based business. But then like, um, my, so my first client is Imagine and 123RF Group. It's like a photosec company from Malaysia that they want to set up like um developer and designer office in Bandung at that why, time. Why, why, why? Tell me why. That's, so you're talking about the 123RF guys, right? That team. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I helped that company to set up the programmer's team and also designer team in Bandung. So right. that's like, that's my first project. And then after that, my second project, uh, I have like uh, one of South Korean developer, uh, sorry, South Korean game development studio. They also wanted to set up like a game developer studio in Bandung. But at that time, I, I have no idea about games developer, you know, or games community where I can get the talent from. So at the end, uh, I I met my co-founders, Yunita Angraini, because uh, her background is on, she was a PR manager of one of the biggest game developer studio in Indonesia. So it's like a perfect alliance right. for me, like a lie, right? So after that, I worked together with her. And after that, like there are some some more clients. So at the end, we 
formally set up the legal entity because once we start working with the big guys, then you know, like we need legal entity, paperwork, etc., to get things done, right? Yeah. So, so what is it about Bandung? So I'm I'm learning something I think along with the rest of the listeners here. But what is it about Bandung that makes it so appropriate for running these tech businesses? You said that one, two, three RF and your other friends wanted to set up businesses, sorry, dev offices, right, and tech offices and development places in Bandung. Is that where the sort of central place is in West Java to to sort of set up technology like learning as well? Like what is it about Bandung that makes it special that most people don't know about? Okay, so so it's like Bandung is more like the center of creativity in Indonesia. So when you talk about the creative industry, then Bandung will be uh, on top of mind. Because really? like like uh, to start with, there are a lot of like university, especially technology university in Bandung. Got it. Which means that there are a lot of talents that are coming from Bandung, and then the second one also like in terms of the how to say. The quality of life, it is so much better than Jakarta. It's like the weather here on average, every day is like 21 to 24 uh, Celsius. So it's it's a great weather because Bandung is like surrounded by mountains. Mountains, I was going to say, it looks okay. beautiful. Yeah, and then uh, tea plantation, etc. So people who, you know, like uh, had enough with Jakarta's life, it's like they always, okay, I want to <laughs> I'm moving, I'm moving to Bandung. Is <laughs> that what people do? Because like Bandung basically offer like a better quality of life, but in terms of like productivity as well, uh, for the pace of work, it is also like as, as fast as Jakarta. And in terms of the living cost, it is like really, really much more lower than Jakarta. Like maybe I can say that it's three fourth or even like half lower than Jakarta. Yeah, also. This- it means that uh, the cost for setting up and also to hire developers is like much, much, much more affordable than if you want to set up a company in Jakarta. So this is interesting as well because it's not a small place. It's not like a small town either, right? Total population is probably, what, around 3 million people. And if you look at the metro area, it's probably double that in Bandung, right? So it's not a massive city like Jakarta where it's like 12 or 15 million people, but it's not like a small suburb either. Yes, yes, yes. It is actually like capital city of West Java, and in Bandung, there are like two point five million, I guess. Yeah. Million or three million people, but it's like um, how to put it in the right way? I don't know, but it's like um, it is known as a central for the creativity in Indonesia, and also it has a lot of technology university. That's why for tech. Um, point of view, it is realistic to set up like a company in Bandung. So, t- so earlier when we were talking, you mentioned the fact that most people think about sort of Vietnam and Malaysia and to a certain extent Thailand about a good place to get developers, whether it's UI developers or UX developers or just sort of hardcore tech developers. But tell me, in your experience running Geek Hunter and hiring developers for companies like you said, for 123RF and some other big companies as well, like, what's the difference between a developer and what are you seeing change in sort of the developer market in Indonesia as opposed to some of the other countries in the region? Like, what what are you seeing change and what are you learning about it? What's different? Yeah, because uh, last year I also went to Vietnam uh, with like a group of startups from uh, Malaysia and from Singapore. 
Mm -hmm. to study more about like the developers market in Vietnam because I just want to make like a comparison and at that time I'm also thinking maybe it will be realistic to set up Gcounter also in Vietnam right at that time is like uh, my clients that are coming from Singapore or Malaysia they always ask if I can also supply Vietnam uh, developers right right so like based on my uh, my research when I went there I, I just uh, for me uh, I think that both Indonesian developer and Vietnam developer has like its own strength. So when you talk about doing, you know, like back end, like um, PHP, Magento, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, on on iOS part, then it's good to to find like Vietnam developers. But when it when it comes to front end, UI UX, Android developers, Java then it's better for you to go for Indonesian developers. So it's just like we have like uh, our own strength for for that point of view. And the second one, maybe like in terms of uh, the English proficiency, Indonesia is better. And for like, for example, for Malaysian company, uh, for them, they love to hire Indonesian developers because in terms of the culture, it's more or less uh, the same. So th- there won't be like a huge culture culture shock or something, you know. And for like Singapore companies I work with, like normally they they just have like Indonesian developers working remotely from Indonesia, not like working in Singapore. Although like there are several companies also that require uh, the developers from Indonesia to relocate to Singapore. Right. So I was going to ask you, what's the mindset of a, you know, typical is a difficult word to define, but what's the mindset of a typical Indonesian developer, let's say who graduates from university, maybe has two years of experience. Are they likely to say, I'm happy to go live in Vietnam. I'm happy to try living in Singapore. And when you do that, so because there's a, there's an income gap, right? Between there's an arbitrage actually available. In other words, if I'm an Indonesian developer, I'm living in Bandung, I have a great job. I, I don't know what the salaries are. Maybe you can talk about what the compensation is like. But if I move to Singapore, it's going to have to be different because the day-to-day life costs are different as well. Do you see yes. people doing that also? Yeah, people are doing that also. Actually, when we say that, oh yeah, you are going to, re- uh, you will, it requires a relocation to Singapore or Malaysia. Like mm-hmm. most of people, most of Indonesian developers will be very happy to take on that opportunity because it means that they will have like international exposure on their career. But it's like unfortunately. Um, there are not so many, you know, like not so many chance to actually like relocate because most of the time the companies from Singapore or Malaysia, they want to have the programmer to work remotely instead because uh, for for them also it's for cost saving, right? Cause, right, um, right. Yeah. They're, they're taking advantage of that arbitrage, right? So they're hiring somebody in Indonesia. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I think it's more like this. If you hire like one developers from Singapore, then it will cost them like three thousand Sing dollars. But if you hire like a developers from Indonesia, like the same fresh graduate from Indonesia, mm-hmm. they they can hire six of them. So that's why for you know like for a Singapore company, it it is like uh, much more affordable to hire Indonesian developers instead. So it's really a five times price difference. Sorry. It's a sorry. It's a, in other words, you said if you can hire one developer in in Singapore, in Singapore, like you can hire six. Sorry, it's, a, it's you can hire yeah, six developers. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a six like times price difference. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and as long as the quality is the same, you, like just being able to put more people on a project in some cases, depending on like what the project is. 
yeah, it's just going to be much more powerful. Yeah, and in terms of the quality, because like before, there's a hacker rank, uh, give like a ranking of the top developers in the world, and mm-hmm. Indonesia is still on the top 40. So in terms of quality also, uh, it's good, because when, when we talk about like programming language, it's the same all over the world, right? Right, right. I mean, PHP is PHP. It's not, not going to change. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and I wanted to make some joke about Indonesian performers being better. I mean, Indonesian programmers being better at Java, but it's not funny. Um, <laughs> it's funny, actually. <laughs> not really. It's not funny. So I'm not going to make it. But so, what do you see? What do you see as the possibility of of actually just based on your experience of being able to understand who's good and who's bad? Like, do you give? And I want to know this too. Do you give tests? To your developers, in other words, how do you know a good developer from a bad one? And if you do know that, can you then take and replicate your model in other countries just based on your experience and your connectivity? Right, because you know a big company is going to want to have a development maybe distributed across multiple countries, and if Geek Hunter knows who the right developers are everywhere, that your business can just get bigger, right? Yeah, 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 true. So before, like before, we work with the counterpart. They do like a ranking of programmers, like uh, do like initial tests for programmers. But at the end, because uh, my client at the end always did their own test, so it 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 doesn't matter the test score that I send to them. So at the end, yeah, (laughs) it's very interesting. No, but it is interesting because a lot of companies will say like we do all the pre vetting, we do all the testing for you. It's much more efficient. But I think you're right. In the end. If I'm going to hire you into my company, I'm going to make the final decision. And part of that final decision is going to be um, <clears throat> determined by how well you perform on a task that I would give you if you were working for me. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why. So in the beginning, we have that kind of task that you mentioned. But at the right. end, we eliminated that one because uh, like basically all of our clients don't really need that. Like They want to do their own testing, etc. So from, from there, it's like... What we do is like we do more on the requirement checklist, like um, like based on the, the requirement of our client. We try to you know like get some evidence from the programmers, more like a pre-interview, something like that, to make sure that uh, the programmers that we are sending is at least eighty percent from the checklist that the client gave to us. But also from that, like we also have like a technical advisor. Go ahead. Uh-huh. A technical advisor. Yeah, technical advisor, you know, like to advise because uh, in Indonesia, I think most of the programmers have their own like GitHub. So from there, right. you can like, actually see, you know. So so that's uh, how we, how to say, how we screen like our developers. Okay, so a lot of companies in the region are trying to put artificial intelligence and machine learning around their ability to match candidates with jobs particularly in the tech space, right? Yeah. Without going out and naming who those people are. Some of them obviously would be competitors to yours. But yeah, what's, yeah, your, what, yeah. what's your view on building, you know, turning Geek Hunter into a tech platform itself? Actually, we did a test case before. Like, we, we tried to do, like, a test case for, like, three months to do, like, marketplace for programmers. Right. Like, basically, a platform where... Um, the client can go to that platform and find that programmers, but at the end, it didn't really work out. Because and we learned that, that actually the hardest, um, the hardest thing to do right now is because the demand of programmer is really high compared to the supply. Right. So it's more on the convincing part, you know, like just to convince um, the programmer 
so that they will, uh, you know, like explore the opportunity. That's the hardest part rather than finding them. I mean, finding them is easy. Like you can use it with LinkedIn or, or you can use like some other platform, but to convince them so that they want to explore the opportunity in the company, it's something else. So tell me, so, so yeah, this, this is a really, right. This is a really interesting and challenging new new sort of wrinkle, I think, in the in the job market, right? In the old days, you know, let's just take a plumber just because it's generic, not because it's either high quality or low quality. But you know, just to hire someone to do a job, it was always the person who was hiring who had the leverage, right? I'll choose this person or I'll choose that lady to come and work for me. But it almost seems reversed now that if you're a really good programmer you get to choose where you want to work. Yeah, exactly. That's, I think that will be the case right now. That's why like, uh, we have like also a mission to help like, a programmer to get a better and meaningful career. Right. So what we do is like, we, we don't really you know, like, push selling for the roles. Like, hey, I have this client, you have to work for this client because this client is really amazing. But we also try to tailor it to their you know, career aspiration as well. Like we always ask them, like, hi, hey, where do you want to work? Like, do like we really want to know your career aspiration? Where do you want to work? Is it a startup or a corporation? And if it is a startup, or even if uh, the programmer choose like a corporation, we always ask further, like, uh, where, like, in in which type do you want to work for? Like, e-commerce company or fintech or SaaS or do you want to work for like a software house? And then we always ask them, well, what is the most important thing in career for them? Is it the benefit package or is it the challenge? So from there, then we give them a suggestion. Oh, so if you are, if you want to work for a FinTech startup with a great benefit package, then we have like this client for you. Right. So that's the, that's was the other question I wanted to ask you is what are you finding? And do you keep data on this? That I think would be really interesting to analyze. But what are you finding when you ask a programmer? Are they looking for just the biggest challenge? Are they looking for the most sort of equity in the company? Are they looking for the most flexible time? Do, do you know what I mean? Like, what are they actually trying to find out? Because I think that that's something where, you know, yeah, if, yeah. if you know that and you can apply data to that, you can actually find them better work, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So here's the thing. Like, uh, last year in the in the Q1, quarter one of 2017, mm-hmm. a lot of, like, Indonesian startups, they do, like, a layoff on their company. Why? So from from there, uh, because they don't get like uh, enough funding, but at the end they close the operation, like several startups in Jakarta. Got it. So what happened from there? Uh, because it's like before the trend was like they they don't want to work from corporate and they want to work for startup. Yep. But after after like that uh, layoff coming, then it's kind of like a game changing because. Uh, People start to think, okay, I, I just want to work for a corporate, like go back to corporate for like more stable career, stable income, and less risk to get uh, laid off, right? Oh, so, so that's changed on like on 2017. So I think like for now, whenever like we try to uh, give like a better opportunity to our programmer, they always ask this question: What will be the fund? What what like? What, what is the funding of the company? Like, will it uh, be sustainable until the next like three or four years? You know, they're always like the the question. Who are the investors? If before like the programmers really don't care about that, but now like I often get that kind of question. So I think like number one, uh, they want to know about uh, whether the the work will be stable. I mean, the stable here is like financially stable that the company will not just go run out. 
uh, the business in the next one year or two years, right? Right. So, do, but do you track and that? And then as, the second so, one. Go ahead. Go ahead. I interrupted you. Yeah, and the second, the second one, uh, the easiest one is to offer like a job with a high flexibility. So it is something that they are really looking for because you know, like if they live in Jakarta, and they have to commute every day two hours or three hours to go to the office, so it, it's inefficient. And for them, it's like it's better for me to work sometimes uh, from from home. And a lot of like a big startup in Indonesia try to accommodate that as well because it's like one of my clients, like a unicorn in Indonesia. They give like a flexible working hour, and the the flexibility means that they can they they need to work eight hours a day, but they can start at any time. So they can start at one p.m. or at 5 p.m. or they can start at 9 a.m. So that's uh, the kind of like flexibility. And also sometimes give the opportunity to work remotely from home, like uh, at least like two days or three days a week, something like that. So flexibility is number two. And also challenge, especially for like uh, those who are on junior and mid-level, like they always want to learn something new like before like everyone joined like an e-commerce company and then after that it's like oh no no i now it's like i really want to learn more about fintech about blockchain right so a challenge as well because i think right now um there are a lot of like new fintech companies in indonesia yeah it's just really interesting like if you're running a hiring company <clears throat> you kind of get a this 35,000 foot view and an overview of what the entire, you know, industry and ecosystem is doing, right? Like that insight that you have where at the beginning of 2017, there were a lot of layoffs in the startup space, which made people sort of question, you know, funding and stability and flexibility. And should I go back and work for an MNC or a big corporate because it's just going to be more stable? You know, is that going to help me get my kids in the school kind of thing is just a really interesting view on what maybe most other people cannot see because they're not running the same type of platform that you have. Um, and do you keep data on all this stuff? I, this is the big question for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. We keep all the data for us because it's like, it's like this. Uh, for example, like in Indonesia right now, uh, in our database, we have like 35,000 curated programmers. And most of the question that the people ask is like, what will be like the main programming language that Indonesian developer uh, are are you know like uh, are are doing? So so we keep like all the data for that as well. But what does that mean by curated? Curated it means that because it's like there are a lot of like fresh graduates, right? So for, for like fresh graduates, we don't really put them in our database. But if they already have like experience, uh, at least like two years of experiences, then we start, uh, then we will uh, put them in our database. But if not, then no. And also like some, most of the times, uh, programmers just put on their CV like software engineers without any details. Like we don't know, you know, like what, uh, what their language. language, what are the framework, etc. So if uh, all the information is correct, then we put it on our database. Got it. So how do you see this developing? You know, we talked a little bit, and we never really, I never really let you answer the question, right? But do you think there's a likelihood that Geek Hunter does expand into Vietnam, that it goes into Malaysia, that it comes into Thailand, and actually starts to compete with some of these other? Um, you know, hiring companies, they like to call themselves kind of, you know, web 4.0 style hiring companies for the human resources space. 
do you see yeah, yourselves I, expanding out of Indonesia, or has it happened already? And what do you how do you think that looks going forward? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's like actually right now we are on the initial talk with one of the Vietnam and Australian company to you know like uh, possibility to expand like Gigantor not only so I think because right now we only have like uh, Indonesian developers right right. But like uh, the plan for like next year also, like we will move our office to like a bigger space next week. In Bandung. Yeah, in Bandung. Because it's like uh, by being in Bandung, even though we are based in Bandung, but all our talents are all over Indonesia. So right. our location is like, it doesn't really matter. But it's like, as I mentioned before, like right now, I'm on an initial talk with one of Vietnam company and Australian company for the possibility to set up or do like a joint venture so that Iggy Counter will not only serve Indonesian developers but also like Vietnam developers and for the possibility to you know also send developers to Australia as well. So have you been funded? You know you see a lot of these human resources style companies go out and get funding right because they want to sell themselves as actually being a tech company as well. One, do you think it's necessary to go out and get funding and, and two, do you like I said do you want to employ more technology inside your own company? I mean, it's like um, implementing technology or like all of our tool, all of the tools that we use right now is like all the, you know, the best tools in the world right now because we always benchmark through like we go to SourceCon in US uh, last year, you know, to update our knowledge and skill on sourcing and on recruitment. So all the tools, automation tools that we use is the, how to say, we can say that it's uh, the best right now. Uh, in the world that we use, uh, like all of our tools, and then for like in terms of like scaling up, it's actually also like one of uh, my biggest question, because it's like you know when <clears throat> right now like we are still bootstrapping, although like there are there's like several investors that ask whether um, they can you know like, sorry. <clears throat> It's like there are also like some uh, investor, like potential investor that keep asking me like uh, whether I will need funding to scale up. But again, it is actually like a service-based business, right? So when when we talk about like service business, then uh, the way to scale up is like adding more people and then open a new branch somewhere, serve more market. It's, it's more like that the way I see it. So right now it's like well, we are still you know, like brainstorming for some idea to scale up. Like uh, the next one, we'll have like several other products like Geek Event because uh, we, we are like right now like doing that as well so that we can get like more programmers as well. Got it. Um, from, from like from Geek Event. And then also like yeah, several interesting things. Okay. I have some ideas. <laughs> We can talk about this. <laughs> we can talk about it. We can talk about it online. We can talk about it offline. The other thing yeah. is, I really so. Do you do you? Is there an airport in Bandung? I know it's a dumb question, but can you fly directly to Bandung from yeah, you know, from yeah, like yeah. Ho Chi Minh and stuff like that? So if I want to yeah, come yeah, and meet yeah, you, yeah. I don't have to fly to Jakarta. I just fly to Bandung instead, and then I can have a meeting with you in like five minutes because the airport's easily accessible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the airport is inside the city, so it's really convenient because uh, it's like I also often go to Singapore like um, I can say like once every two months because I have also clients in Singapore that I need to visit etc right right so yeah yeah yeah. I use like Banu airport always like direct flight Banu Singapore and it's only like uh, Banu Singapore is like one 
one hour, one hour and forty-five minutes. So yeah, it's, it's still convenient. Yeah. So who serves? I'm asking for travel advice, but it's just interesting to me. Who serves? Like, what airline do you fly? If, if you if you wake up in the morning, and go, oh, I need to be in Singapore next week. You fly from Bandung to Singapore. Who do you fly? Guess. <laughs> I don't know Air Asia. I don't. I have no Air idea. Asia. Air Asia. But like for a better airline, we also have like Silk Air. Oh. Flying from like Bandung to Singapore. Yeah, I have no problem with Air Asia. People complain Air about Asia. it, but I've never had a problem. Yeah. And Lion Air. I think that's uh, the three airlines that fly directly to Singapore every day. So there are like three or four flight direct flight to Singapore every day from Bandung. Yeah, I have no problem with any of the sort of low-cost carriers. That's kind of what I normally fly, and I think most people in the region are doing that because it just logistically it just makes it a lot easier for them to do it. Yes, exactly. Um, look, this has been a really, really interesting and for me very enlightening conversation. But I mean, I learned a lot, if nothing else. I mean, I learned about how you're scaling stuff up, but also I learned a lot about Bandung and how that's really the technical center, the development center of what's taking place in, in Java. I, did, I didn't know. So that's one of the reasons why I do this is so people can learn about what's going on there. Um, so the last thing I'll say to you is we should we should actually stay in touch and keep talking about this. I'd love to come back to you like periodically and just find out like how things are changing in the landscape there, how expansion's going, and how you see the market for developers, for lack of a better term, developing in the region over time. But um, Ken, this has really been a really interesting conversation for me, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Thank you. I enjoyed it so much also, Michael. So what's the, can you tell people the best way to get in touch with you or just to get in touch with your company and how they can find out more, but also how they can use the services that you have? Yeah, um, you can just like log on to www.geekhunter.co and if uh, you want to connect with me directly, can you use like my Twitter or my Instagram at Kenratri Iswari? I know it's so hard. <laughs> no, everybody, can, else, so hard everybody else can do it. No, everybody else can do it. It's just me. I cannot do that rolling sound. It doesn't matter if it's Spanish or I just can't do it. It's easy for most people, but not for me. Okay, great. Yeah, at Kenratri Iswari and also at GeekHunterCO. Awesome. Thank you again so much for your time. Yeah, thank you also, Michael. I need to run to Jakarta after this. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Thank you.